Welcome to the podcast. It is Stu back uh, from vacation. Glenn is here as well today. We talk a little bit about uh, COVID-19 and um, I don't know if you've heard of this. It's a virus uh, that's going around. Also, we uh, look at that and, and Glenn has kind of an announcement to make about him and his family and COVID-19. You're going to be interested in that, I think. Uh, also, Glenn is up for the Radio Hall of Fame. You can vote for him at RadioVote.com. It goes through August 9th. Um, the uh, listeners are important to this process. Uh, so if you get a chance, please go to RadioVote.com. One vote per email address. And uh, you can uh, get cast your vote for Glenn Beck and, or against him, honestly. Uh, it's up to you. Uh, also, Christopher Rufo joins us. He's a guy who's uh, done documentaries about uh, the uh, Pacific Northwest and all the craziness going on in these cities. He's got more on what's going on in Seattle right now, which is mind-blowing. Uh, and um, there's a coin shortage right now. Why? Why is there a coin shortage? There's also an aluminum shortage going on and Major League Baseball already facing the potential cancellation of their season after only a few games. We'll get into all that today on the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to Stu Does America. Uh, All episodes of both available right here, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Give it a five-star rating and a great review or a mediocre review, but the five-star thing is really important. Uh, Also, uh, make sure you do that as well with uh, Stu Does America. New episode tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern on Blaze TV. You can subscribe uh, to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Get too close to your uh, your headphones, uh, Pat, or to the camera lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, mm-hmm. my family all has COVID. The most isolated family on I the know. planet, except for one weekend over a month ago. Over a month ago, we had 400 people up at our house. Um, and if we were going to get it, two weeks after that is when we should have gotten it. Uh, but we didn't. Hmm. No, we didn't. Instead, we just isolated and... And stayed indoors, and uh, I think it can take up to thirty. Somehow days, or another, though. got COVID. It, it can to incubate or whatever they call that to 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 percolate in your system. I think it can take up to thirty days. Now, initially, well, they everybody said, took. They said it took it took it takes fifteen minutes, and then it went to like two weeks, and then it was like <laughs> maybe it's thirty days, and then it was like nah, it could you know a year and a half later if you're mm-hmm. uh, exposed, it, it could just pop right out. So you, were doctors you present at your birth? <laughs> because if they were, that was a crowded room. You shouldn't have been yep. in. You could get it at any moment. Um, but uh, so I don't know how, but everybody last week, I mean, I think I joked about it uh, last week uh, on the air that uh, and it's the only reason why we're on the air today is because I joked about it with uh, the head of uh, Mercury. And I said, yeah, everybody's dropping from fly. We got the covid here. And uh, he was like, oh, everybody's dropping like flies. Glenn may be joking, but I'm smarter than he is. So I'm going to tell <laughs> engineering to have everything ready to go. So last night I get a call and they were in my house last night at midnight after my wife and I came in with masks and wiped everything down in here uh, so they could come in and, and put the... Uh, put the program back on the air because everything had been ripped out of my house because I was going back to work today. Hmm. Can't they just leave it there so, just I in case? When, when, you know, if you ever have a hankering to stay home, you can just do it. 
Why can't well, they just leave it? That's why they don't keep, put it there because he'll stay home that's every true. day. That's why they don't do it. Uh, right. True. I think mm-hmm. that's that's exactly right. They don't want to put it in my house because they know I will never come back into the studio. <laughs> and I paid a lot of money for those studios. So, yeah. in retrospect, mm-hmm. not a good idea. Although, we might get Joe Rogan. I mean, I think we should. I think all the listeners should email Joe Rogan today and tell him, Work at the Mercury Studios. <laughs> I think Joe Rogan has enough money for his own building. Uh, maybe several buildings. No, uh, he does, but he's smarter than that. Oh, he's smarter yeah. than mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You know, why would, he, why would he... When you can just... When you can have somebody else's studio and just rent, why would you buy a huge... Why would you buy the Paramount lot? Right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That makes a lot of that sense. That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. You know, Pat, right. this is the sort of reasoning that's going to get Glenn into the Radio Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. It's this sort mm-hmm. of thinking out of the box that's going to mm-hmm. win it for him, I think. Uh, it's radio, so here's the problem. Is it radiovote.com? Radi- yeah, radiovote.com. radiovote.com. I've already voted. Yeah. I mean, not for Glenn. Right. But, uh, but I did vote. NPR? Wait, uh, NPR guys? No, nah, yeah, I went yeah. with NPR. I okay. thought that would be a yeah. good, they, 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 good choice. Better than Glenn. If right? I choice, lose to the NPR guys, <laughs> and listen, audience, because I know you, you will vote for the NPR guys because you'll think it's funny. Don't. It don't won't do be it. funny to me. It won't be funny to me. It was funny last year. the NPR guys. It's it, last year when yeah. you lost to the fabulous sports babe or whoever, that was funny. <laughs> this will not be funny. <laughs> It'll be funny. To I'm the Pat, Susan Lucci of the Radio right. Hall of Fame. <laughs> right. I'm the Susan Lucci. And I know I'm never going to get in it because I've been told by the guy who runs the Radio Hall of Fame, you will never be inducted to the Hall of Fame. Now, this is a and very like, long time was, ago, right? I, this, was, uh, this is many, many, many he's years still, ago. He's still there. He's still there. And but believe the, me, he still remembers. The and you know what? The this year. Somebody we know pretty well. Yeah, yeah. And I would a, think would no, be No, but the guy, who, the guy who started it all is there. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, uh, you know, the, last year, apparently, when you could vote, it counted for like it, it could override all the other votes, but apparently somebody did what I would have done this year and cheated, and mm. we're we're offering like prizes for people who could vote and you know set up extra emails and everything else, and so now mm. it's only one twentieth of the vote, which I think oh, wow. you know is not the way it should be, but. Uh, Wow. You know, because listeners listen more than, you know, probably board members do. Oh, yeah. And board members sometimes can have vendettas against people, and then they never True. get in. They're You're like doing Susan a good job to win this vote. Let me tell you, you are working it hard. Uh, again, the reason I'm on baby aspirin term. right now. Mm-hmm. I'm on baby aspirin. You, I can't be held responsible for what I'm saying someplace, but it's so small because it's, it's printed for baby eyes, all the warnings. <laughs> I don't know if I should be operating high, you know, heavy machinery with this or not. I don't know. Probably not because I never see babies y- y- operating heavy machinery. That's true. So it might, they might they all be aspirin. on baby aspirin. And yeah. It probably, probably. Now, let me ask you this. So, what does the baby yeah. aspirin do in the COVID situation? Oh, it's a, str- it's a strong pain reliever. Is it? It's, okay. I'm, I'm still working up to ibuprofen 800. You yeah. know, when the doctor says, yeah. have you ever... Now, listen, I want to talk to you about something. I want to be serious here for a moment. Have you ever had ibuprofen 800? No. I want to just slap Whoa. the doctor when they say that. Yeah. It's like, no, no, doc, slow down. Not ibuprofen 800? 
I take them by the handful, Doc. <laughs> uh, anyway. Never had anything uh, that so, strong. No, <laughs> Ooh-wee. So I think we've cracked. I really think we've cracked this. Did you see the Yale epidemiologist who said, stop with the hydro- uh, hydroxychloroquine scare tactics? Yes. Mm-hmm. It, yes. it it works. It works. And we mm-hmm. all had to hate it, I guess, because we all hate Donald Trump. But it works. This is such a bizarre. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's so bizarre. I just don't understand. So it's like a bizarre. religious fervor around this one medication. That's, on both sides of it, too. I mean, like, yeah, like it obviously doesn't cure every single case, right? It, it does, it's, but no. it does seem to help in some cases. There's yeah. been multiple studies that it have showed that. It should be tried. That. And, it sh- you know, it's been tried in, in several areas. And, 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 like, there's this fervor against it and for it as if it's, like, been this like long-term political dividing point like like pro-life because, and pro-choice you know it it like pro-hydroxy and, and anti-hydroxy and we all have this in our dna for the last 50 years mm-hmm. it's like well i we all just want something that works right like trump also said remdesivir in the press conference where he mentioned hydroxychloroquine the same press conference it, like, the, the and that's sa- fine nobody cares, and, and about, no one cares about that one why nobody. what I, I don't just know. don't understand it. I talked to a I talked to a listener last week who said his whole family got it, and it was like the sniffles for his kids. It was like a mild cold for him. Then his wife was really sick because she's got underlying issues, and they wouldn't give her hydroxychloroquine at the hospital. So we brought her home, and their their uh, primary care physician uh, ordered hydroxychloroquine for her. Twelve hours later, she was almost completely better. Wow! Twelve hours great. later, yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. I got it from my vet. <laughs> really? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, no, you know, they were talking about in some states, they are making it illegal for doctors to prescribe I it. I know. That's insanity. Political. Insanity. As Stu said, it's not the cure-all, but it does help a lot of people. But I, yeah. I will tell you that my doctor has done a lot of research, and he is always calling me going, hey, hey you should know. Um, but um, uh, hydroxychloroquine. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm supposed to take. He said with zinc, mm-hmm. not with um, uh, not with a Z pack, but with zinc. Um, then the bare children's baby aspirin. Never that's that. because people are getting. That's because they're getting blood clots. People are getting blood clots. Oh wow! In their lungs, mm. and so take one baby aspirin, and it helps so you don't get blood clots in your lungs. And then this is the newest part is. I don't know what it is. Besud, besudin. How would you say that, Pat? Look at the label here. Uh, how would you say that? It's uh, not, not readable. Yeah, not really readable. Yeah, like you said. That's why I'm nominated for the Radio Hall of Fame. You're not, man. That's why. Wait, but your doctor didn't give you the Pepsid? They keep saying that there's a chance that Pepsi <laughs> really? actually helps to fight. Really? It, I'm serious. I mean, that is true, right? That it is, is legitimately yeah, they like have said that. Again, that does not mean you should go out and take Pepsi <laughs> for. I don't. You know, I've not looked into, but there are studies that that say that they think it could be a potential treatment for for COVID nineteen. There's so How many things out there. They just say everything, right? Yeah, yes. It's like a yeah. <laughs> you know what, Glenn? I think. I mean, can we come up with like nachos is it possible nachos uh can cure COVID 19 you should try it let's see what happens he said he said it doesn't make sense that you didn't get it uh, because you know you have a compromised immune system and i said doc i have been eating a steady diet of ice cream and hershey's chocolate uh, i think we should look into that i think we should look into that it may have helped my immune system it's an obvious vaccine it's a vaccine yep. <laughs> right Ooh, wait a minute. I never thought about uh, just 
intravenously uh-huh. taking Hershey's chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that would be really... You'd miss the taste, but... Uh, let me just uh, just check with one thing here. Uh, I just want to get Pat's take on John Roberts. Oh, my gosh. Uh, John oh Roberts. Uh, how this one, this one really drives me crazy. Yeah. Because this one is clearly constitutional. Yeah. This one is not like, well, it's in the Commerce Clause. This is the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. The First Amendment. And the court wouldn't even take it up, and John Roberts was the deciding vote. They wouldn't take up the Nevada limits on in-person worship services. Wouldn't even listen to it. I'm telling you, just like the uh, just like the uh, Jim Crow laws and the um, oh shoot, what was the really bad the Dred Scott decision? Yeah. Yep. The American people did not listen to the Supreme Court on the Dred Scott decision. They didn't listen, and they were right for not listening. Mm-hmm. The, these 10 people do not decide what our Nine. First Amendment <laughs> actually means. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's true. John Roberts has lost all his, his, his marbles. I mean, he's got one job. You've got one job. Defend the Constitution, and he can't do it. He can't do it because of his legacy or whatever. He doesn't want to be seen as as conservative, or he doesn't want his court to be seen you know, as right wing. I can handle Ginsburg. I really can. I can handle Ginsburg because she's consistent and mm-hmm. she believes in something. John Roberts is just political. Yeah, he John is. Roberts is the worst Supreme Court justice that I have seen in my lifetime because I don't believe he believes anything. He believe he'll he'll go with the Constitution on some things, usually small and insignificant. And then when it's there in the First Amendment, mm-hmm. he goes against it. Why? How could you possibly do that? How could you possibly do that, John? It's in the First Amendment. You know, I know if you get up to like, I mean, who would expect you to read, you know, 20, 23, 24? I mean, it starts mm-hmm. to get long That's and tedious. Too this too is the first one. <laughs> this is the first one. Yeah, it, so it should have been so crystal clear. He's just too worried about his legacy. That's the only thing that's that's on his mind, it seems, when he makes these decisions. And he's made, yeah, he's made good decisions on little teeny things. But anytime it really matters, uh, he's with the liberals. Well, he... he he has rewritten the Constitution. He rewrote the law, rewrote the law for mm-hmm. the Obama administration. You don't do that. You can't do that. He rewrote it so he could pass it. And now this, he just doesn't even read the First Amendment. Yeah. People of faith, you need to stand up. You must stand up. There is an attack of biblical proportions coming on people of faith. You must stand up now. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. So Seattle, uh, we saw the, the, the juvenile, new juvenile hall burned down uh, this weekend that they were building. And Seattle is actually looking to abolish prisons. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So this really comes on the heels of Seattle City Council's uh, support for cutting the police department by 50%. Uh, The next thing on their wish list 
uh, is to close the largest county jail in downtown Seattle, which would reduce the county's total jail capacity by at least 60 percent. Uh, and this is something that the county executive uh, had been uh, kind of circulating documents. Uh, I, I broke it before he announced it. Um, but these are real plans. Uh, within the next uh, six to 12 months, uh, we could have uh, a 50 percent of the police force and uh, about 40 percent of the county jail capacity. And it's all predicated on the same ideas that we talked about last time with the kind of undoing whiteness training. Uh, the, the documents that I've obtained really show that critical race theory, uh, the idea that the world is reducible to the kind of evil force of whiteness uh, and creating these racist institutions, is at the heart of this plan. And their solution is very clear. They make it explicit. If you have a racist criminal justice system, the only thing that can be done is to tear it down. When I ask you this every time I talk to you, when are the people in Seattle going to wake up? You know, I, I've been asking that question for many years uh, with the hopes that uh, that things could turn around. I am curious. There's a there's a there's a real disconnect. And I, I think a lot of people are now contacting me just saying, you know, what's happening? What can we do to turn it around? People who haven't been engaged uh, I know that people, homeowners that are selling their houses and leaving the city of Seattle, uh, it's up 1,500% compared to the same period last year. So some people are definitely moving with their feet. Uh, but there is a kind of religious fanaticism and conviction to socialist politics, and it's rationalized in the sense that when, when their plans don't work, people, people basically say, we didn't go far enough, and they double down. And I'm I'm very afraid that that's what's happening here. When do you move? Do you, have you <laughs> have you put a line, a red line, down on the ground and said, you know, I mean, the, because honestly, this is getting so crazy, and I'm going to use a uh, hyperbolic um, example here, and I know that it is not uh, to this level by any stretch. Hopefully, it never does come to this. But in the in the 1930s, the Jews were looking at things just starting to just completely fall apart. And some of them said, I'm getting out of here now while the getting is good. And eventually, you know, they were trapped and they couldn't leave. Uh, at what point is there a red line that you look at and go, you know, if it gets to here, I got to get out of here? Yeah, I mean, you know, there is. And I think that it's it's really kind of fallen and collapsed very quickly. Five years ago, I had a friend visiting in Seattle, and he said, wow, this is one of the cleanest big cities in America. Uh, it's great. You can go anywhere. It's high quality of life. Uh, and then he came back last year, and he said, it looks like somebody dropped an atomic bomb on your city. I mean, the change has just been extremely rapid. And I think the, you know, the, the question of when to move, people are starting to now uh, really speed up this exodus. You know, the numbers from the real estate companies are a huge exodus. Uh, if you look at the price of a U-Haul from Seattle to Boise, uh, it's about 10 times more than the price from a U-Haul from Boise to Seattle, uh, suggesting a huge outflow. And, you know, a friend of mine who's a pillar of the Jewish community in Seattle, uh, you know, as you mentioned, he says, you know, all of the my community, the kind of conservative Jews in Seattle, we're now meeting very often 
trying to say, when is the time that we actually leave? And he, and he said something I thought was very astute. He said, you know, as Jews, we have a special instinct for when things are about to go bad. And those sentiments, mm-hmm. those feelings, those premonitions, they're now firing at an extremely rapid rate. And people are making plans either to leave Seattle for another city, for an outlying area. Uh, and some of the folks are saying it's gotten so bad, we're actually thinking about going to Israel. Well, Israel, I mean, if the times of the seasons um, are what I think they are, Israel's not going to be a very safe place either, but uh, at least they'll stand there. Um, uh, would you mind putting us in touch with him? I'd like to like to talk to him about that, because this is this is a very unique time period. And I think people of all religions really need to wake up, uh, especially with what happened with John Roberts this weekend, when they don't recognize the First Amendment that sets it completely apart from the government. Uh, I don't know what's coming. So so tell me more about this document that you you found the community supports meeting. Tell me the highlights of this document. So this is a document that is comes from the King County Executive's Office and really provides the theoretical basis for the executive's plan to uh, really just completely and permanently shut down the largest jail uh, with no plans to replace it. And it, it basically looks kind of like a hybrid of a university lecture on critical race theory uh, or a diversity training and kind of a, a very progressive mm-hmm. company. But it, it has kind of a chart and a pyramid that says, Underneath the justice system are, are the thing that is foundational to the justice system in Seattle and, the, and in the United States is white racism, white supremacy, white fragility, uh, and a whole other series of, of kind of the buzzwords that have been circulating lately. And then it goes up the pyramid, and then at some point they say, you know, when criminal offenders offend, it's actually... Uh, the, the fault of society, not that criminal offender. And the logic is, uh, well, if you have a racist society that in essence forces people, especially people of color, to commit crimes, if you abolish the institutions uh, of the carceral system, if you abolish the jails, if you abolish uh, the, the police, if you abolish the municipal courts, uh, those people will stop offending because their oppression has been lifted. And, I mean, it, it's absurd. It, 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 it doesn't work in practice at all uh, and gets the causality uh, so skewed it's hard to even understand on logical grounds. But this is the kind of pseudoscientific, kind of pseudo-academic nonsense that is driving the decision-making at the highest levels of government in Seattle and Portland and New York, elsewhere. Uh, and, and it's really shocking because... They're really boiling down a very complex social uh, problem, crime, uh, to just, you know, white people are evil and they've set up these evil institutions that force people to do uh, wrong and, and their, their only solution. It's not reform at this point. For many years, it was about criminal justice reform. Uh, they've moved well beyond that in very rapid succession to do criminal justice abolition. And, you know, my last thing I'd say is that you had three weeks ago cutting the police department 50%, uh, this week cutting the jails by 60%. And my sources in city government are saying the next target uh, is to get rid of the municipal courts uh, almost altogether. Jeez. And what, it, and what do you have instead? 
So they're basically saying that we are not going to prosecute uh, or or bring to the courts any misdemeanors, and we'll bump up felonies to the county court system. So they're they're really looking to essentially eliminate criminal penalties and the criminal process for you know really the vast majority of crimes uh, and only prosecute the most serious crimes, the most violent crimes uh, at the county level. So this is something that. I had heard rumblings about two years ago. Uh, activists were agitating, uh, but I was told this is something that is uh, far-fetched. It's not going to happen. Uh, it's just a few mm-hmm. people. Uh, but it's very quickly uh, capitalizing on the chaos of the coronavirus shutdown, capitalizing on the death of George Floyd. Uh, these are people who have been laying the groundwork for years, and now they're really seizing this opportunity to push forward and unfortunately, when you shut down the jails, you fire 50% of your cops, and you abolish the courts, those are almost irreversible decisions. Uh, so it, it really is a very dangerous period for, for these cities. What are the business owners saying? Because at some point, even the most liberal business owner uh, has got to say, wait, 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 wait. Somebody comes in and shoplifts. Somebody comes in and does something in my store. I, I've got to have some police. Yeah, I, I mean, business no? owners are apoplectic. They are. They have been fighting kind of headwinds in Seattle for many years. Uh, and, and it really started with kind of economic policies, taxes, minimum wage. Those are kind of your your traditional business versus labor fights, right? These have been the kind of mainstream battleground between business and, and labor organizations. And, and there was a sense, looking, looking back in retrospect, a naive sense that, well, this is really as bad as they can make it. They can raise the minimum wage. They can put in kind of onerous scheduling laws. They can increase the property taxes on business owners. But now business owners are finding themselves in a real whole new terrain, um, I know that in downtown Seattle right now, uh, there are entire blocks that have been boarded up for two months. I mean, businesses that are saying, you know, the risk of getting looted, the risk of getting ransacked, the risk of getting burned down uh, is a greater risk than just shutting down and going to zero revenue for the foreseeable future. So Jeez. this is really catastrophic. And, and the, the business trade groups, uh, they're predicting that maybe up to 50% of all, uh, of all restaurants in downtown Seattle may never come back. Uh, so this is a, a really frightening thing. And then if, if they do come back and there are 50% of the police officers on the street, um, it's going to be an absolute nightmare. And my friends and, and, and sources within the police department say, if these cuts go forward, uh, they're going to have no proactive policing and they're going to have a limited number of officers basically bouncing from emergency call to emergency call to emergency call. Uh, and it could be sometimes up to two hours uh, before an officer can show up at the scene of a crime. Uh, real quick, because I have to take a network break. Uh, is there any chance that the, the, um, the uh, chief of police runs for higher office i mean she seems to be striking a chord with a lot of people where she's just coming out she's apologizing and saying look i have nothing to do with this and seattle you're on your own i wish i could help i but i can't i can't is she looked on as reasonable or not reasonable 
she's looked at, she's looked on as very reasonable. And I think what's what's happening is increasingly, a chief of police, Carmen Best. Um, she's a longtime SPD officer, uh, moved up the ranks, and is now chief. She's seen as the only thing standing between uh, the city and the mob. I mean, she's really the last kind of bastion of hope for the city of Seattle. And I know that rank and file officers, as well as some of the political power brokers who are in the more kind of center left moderate camp, uh, they're encouraging her to consider a run. Um, the, the, the mayor's race is next year. It's an off year election. Uh, and I think that she can run on a, a very clear platform as standing up to the mob, uh, standing up to the radicals and, uh, you know, I, I, for one, absolutely hope that she considers it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Chris. And thank you for all of your hard work and, and being places that none of us want to be. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, Kara. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm very good. I I'm am- very good. Good. I'm so glad I get to talk to you. I've been listening to you all the oh, way back you. since Fox News, and you've taught me and my kids wow. so much. We want to thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate um, that. Sure. I am wondering about this coin shortages that we're having. I don't think I've ever in my life had coins that were not available. Are we moving into a cashless society? Uh, yes, but I don't think that's what this is uh, all about. I, I'm not sure. I honestly have not spent the time looking at the corn, coin shortage. I've been looking at the dollar abundance uh, and uh, and been researching some other things. But um, the short answer on the coin shortage, I don't know why we're going through this right now. Um, longer answer for you uh, on really the root of your question. Are we going through a ca- going to a cashless society? We absolutely are going to a cashless society, but uh, it will take the collapse of the U.S. dollar uh, to bring us uh, to that. Um, and we're going to most likely um, go back to a gold standard. Uh, at least for a while, then it will be digitized and, you know, the banks will close. And we've done this before. Unfortunately, we did this in uh, in just before World War Two in the Great Depression. Uh, and this is what happens when you go off the gold standard, in, as we did in 73, Stu, or 71 with uh, Nixon. Um, gold has just gone through a record um, spike again. It just uh, passed the September 2011 price of $1,943. It's almost up to $2,000. And I'll tell you, it is, I think, is going to uh, continue to go through the roof as we go into the fall and, uh, and then some. And you don't want to know what the world is like when we have when we have gold at uh, $2,000, $3,000, $5,000 an ounce. It's uh, nobody's hoping for that. Thank you so much uh, for your phone call. There's also an aluminum shortage. Is there now? There's a lot of shortages of different things because the the factories aren't open. There is a shortage, uh, from what I understand, of sheetrock, uh, of building in some in some places. I know that I had to pour some concrete a couple of weeks ago, and I paid three times the price of concrete uh, mm. because we can't get the 
coal ash? What kind of ash is it that they put in? They could tell you anything you know, to charge you three times the cost, I couldn't know. they? <laughs> I know, and they probably uh, did. Yes, sir. No, Sorry, but the coal it, ash uh, is out, so ash, therefore... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, there's there's some something that they add into it so they don't have to add so much sand. And right now, the stuff that I poured was, you know, had real sand in it, a lot of real sand and sand is we're running out of sand. And I've talked about this for the last couple of years and nobody seems to be concerned about it. It's a really big deal. You can't make sand. Uh, we can't get the sand from the desert because that is smooth on all sides. The sand that we can use only really comes from oceans and um, and and uh, the bottom of rivers uh, where it's just been broken and it's all jagged. So it locks together and we run out of sand. We run out of a lot of things, a lot of things. Uh, and nobody thinks about it. What's the deal on the aluminum? We're running out of aluminum cans now, right? Yeah, and on the coins, it seems like they they less people going out and having you know face to face transactions is stopping the circulation of these coins. People are just you know keeping them at home, and the mint has sh- turned down uh, the amount of coins they're making because of coronavirus and short you know lowering staff numbers. So that is apparently what's causing the coin shortage. All right, so it's so it's going out. People make change, and then they get that change, and then they just keep it at home. They're bringing it home, and so not, it's, not it's not going circulating. It, yeah, it's not cycling through. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's the the uh, the aluminum thing is interesting because they're having um, usually like you know you're selling beer, let's say in a keg. Um, well, they're still selling plenty of beer, and that has not been one of the market, one of the industries that's been hard hit by the coronavirus. Really? <laughs> yeah, huh. I mean, people are still finding a way to <laughs> buy their alcohol, <laughs> oddly. Um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but they're taking uh, instead of selling it in kegs, they're selling it in individual cans for people at home. So they're ro- running low on aluminum. It's why uh, apparently also why some soda flavors have been uh, you know not not really been seen on shelves in a while because they are trying to go to their core. No flavors this is killing us guys this is this is uh this is what i was talking about mm-hmm. we're losing the western way of life <laughs> yes. and we can't have any flavor of soda we want <laughs> we've gone too far mm-hmm. we have we're not coming back yes it's we're not true. coming back na, 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 na.